This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast in Season 2. It's Episode 67, Cubs Splitsville in Cincy. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and of course on Facebook. Email us at fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crawley, happy Labor Day. And of course, you and I are laboring along with the Cubs after a, a wild four game series out in Cincinnati ahead of today's game at home against the Giants. Yeah, this was a this was a rough one. I gotta tell you, there was a lot of ups and downs and uh I, after Saturday night's game, I, I was worried shades of 2004, but uh, the Cubs were able to kind of pull out the split. So that was big. Yeah. The split ended up being big. It was not easy, but let's get it going with uh, game number one, which was uh, a fun one uh, early Friday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Wicks versus Graham Ashcraft. Who's been one of the best pictures for the Reds. Uh, Jordan Wicks got an early birthday gift from the Cubs offense and, even though Wicks wasn't as sharp as, in his, as he was in his debut, he gave the Cubs another solid outing. Five innings, he gave up one run on five hits with three walks and three Ks. Obviously, the walks need to come down, but for a young pitcher making his second major league start, he kept the Cubs in it, which is all you can ask, Dustin. Absolutely. He looked good enough. He kept them around. Uh, nothing nothing terrible, and the, uh, the offense would help out big time. Yeah. It was Cody Bellinger and Ian Happ doing the heavy lifting against Graham Ashcraft in the Reds' bullpen. In the top of the fourth, Bellinger hit a solo home run to make it one nothing. The Reds came back in the bottom of the inning. Nick Senzel singled, Wicks walked Tyler Stevenson, and Novelli Mar- Marte singled to tie the game. But the Cubs retook the lead in the bottom of the sixth when Nico Horner singled. Ian Happ doubled to put runners on second and third. And then, Dustin, you, you, you explained this to me because – you got runners at second and third, and and they decide to pitch to Cody Bellinger, who hits a single uh, to put the Cubs back up three to one. I mean, you have Dansby Swanson hitting behind him. What what are they thinking? Yeah, I, I don't know. First base is open. Cody Bellinger's already hit a home run off of you, and, and they shouldn't have even tried to pitch around him. I heard uh, Ron on the radio saying, you just give him first base at this point. Yes, just, yes. He's the only guy in the lineup that can beat you, and bam, he beat you. 
Right. Seiya Suzuki would homer in the eighth, and Ian Happ would hit a two-run homer in the ninth. The Cubs would win this one six to two. The Cubs offense scored six runs on 10 hits, half two for three with two RBI and Cody Bellinger going two for five with three RBIs. I'm just glad that it was another team that just decided to pitch against the best hitter, you know, instead of the Cubs. Yeah, it's crazy. And Ian Happ continuing to uh, own the Reds, especially out in Cincinnati. So you feel pretty good. The Cubs are up uh, one game to none. Uh, Look pretty easy. They're using the long ball. Then we get to the, uh, the nightcap. Game number two, and this was interesting because we didn't know who was going to start this one. Yep, and so you had Jose Coas going in the opener role versus Lion Richardson from Triple A. Uh, you know, Coas only pitched two batters, and then he was done. He went to gave way to Drew Smiley, and Smiley did okay. He went three innings and gave up one run on four Ks with one walk. But the real story of the game was Hayden Wesniski. That was not Wesniski. That was Wes Nasty. Filthy out of the pen going 3.1 innings. He gave up no hits, no runs, one walk, six Ks. And the, he had the Reds baffled, Dustin, baffled. Yep, and that was a guy that we had suggested uh, on the last podcast, I believe, that maybe he was going to get the start, but looks like they knew what they were doing at this point. Yep, absolutely. And 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 the Cubs called up minor league or the Reds called up minor leaguer Lion Richardson from AAA. He started two previous games this season, both in August. He had a 675 ERA. Dustin Richardson walked the first two batters he faced. He struck out Ian Happ. He walked Bellinger to load the bases and then struck out Swanson and say to, to end the Cubs threat. So you had bases loaded, one out, no runs, not a single ball put in play. And that inning would definitely come back to haunt the Cubs. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, it would. <laughs> would it ever? Now, Cody Bellinger did put the Cubs up one nothing on his 22nd home run in the top of the third. In the top of the fifth and two outs, Nico would draw a walk, steal second, and score on an Ian Happ single to put the Cubs up 2-1. to one. And that's all the, uh, the runs that the Cubs would score in this game. Two runs against a minor leaguer with a 7 ERA in the majors. Uh, just unacceptable. Richardson would go 4.2 innings, give up two runs and two hits, five walks, four Ks. The Cubs only had five hits in the entire game. You had Bellinger's solo home run and four other hits. They were one for nine with runners in scoring position, and they left seven men on base. Yeah, you'll never, you'll never win a game one for nine with runners in scoring position. You just won't do it. As bad as the offense was, Quas, Smiley, Wesniski, and Leiter combined to give up only one run on five hits. And then Albert Alzali came in to the game to try to finish it out in the ninth with one out. Former Cub, and we, we had him on the hot list, Dustin. We had him on the hot list. <laughs> Nick Martini hit a solo home run to tie the game at two. How dare he, the pride of Crystal Lake, do that against his former team? And then Christian Encarnacion Strand singled. He was lifted for pinch runner Stuart Fairchild. Elzelai got Will Benson to strike out swinging, but Fairchild stole second and made it to third on a throwing ear by Jan Gomes. But the Cubs were one out away to getting it from getting it into ex- extras. Unfortunately, Noel V. Marte singled, and the Cub and the Reds would walk this one off three to two. Dustin Elzelai has been nails for the Cubs, you know, not, not anything about it, but that was his third blown save of the season. He blew a save against the Brewers on July 4th. But then remember last week against Milwaukee, he hit a batter to blow that save. He did get the win on that. And then 
against the red. So you're, you're starting to worry if he's starting to, you know, hit a wall or, or run out of gas here. Right. Maybe hitting a wall, run out of gas, a good way to look at it. Uh, I still have uh, faith in him. Uh, I still yeah. want them to continue to give him the ball, but yeah, you're getting a little nervous. No doubt about that. And not only that though, you know, you're going to see this in the next game as well in game three, but you had opportunities to score and that way you don't have to put all the pressure on these exactly. closers exactly. to pitch high leverage innings. Do do better, do better in the risky category, one for nine with runners in scoring position, you know, score more runs against a minor leaguer that would help. Absolutely. And then, you know, game game 3, it like Yogi Berra would say it was deja vu all over again. Exact same as Friday night. Great pitching, no offense and a bullpen that couldn't hold the lead. Javier Assad had the best start of his career. Eight innings of shutout ball. He did have some traffic. He gave up seven hits, one walk, and seven Ks. But he also picked off two batters as the Reds were testing the running game. The defense, also excellent, especially up the middle. Dansby and Nico turned a nice double play in the third to end the threat. In the bottom of the six with two on and no outs, Nico caught a ball in short right that was over his head and was able to throw it back to Dansby for a double play, extinguishing another fire. But offensively, the Cubs could not do anything against Andrew Abbott, who pitched six and a third innings of one-run ball. They didn't score until the seventh when Heimer Candelario hit a solo home run to make it one nothing Cubs. But other than that home run, the Cubs had no extra bases. They were 0-4 with runners in scoring position. Cody uh, Bellinger had a rough day on the bases. He was caught stealing and was picked off in the first. The Cubs only had five hits the entire game, Dustin. Yeah, and I thought that one nothing was going to stand because Assad was, as you mentioned, just absolutely brilliant on Saturday night. A absolutely. His eight innings and Candelario's home run, the Cubs took a one nothing lead into the bottom of the ninth. This time, Ross handed the ball off to Mark Leiter Jr. to close it out. First batter he faced, Jake Fraley doubled. Harrison Bader uh, was uh, put in as a pinch runner. He steals third. Leiter then walked T.J. Friedel and Spencer Steer. Um, hit, uh, he hit Spencer Steer with a pitch to load the bases, and it was up to Ellie De La Cruz. He singled to tie the game. Now Nick Martini hit a short fly ball for the first out. Runners don't advance. And Lighter's night was done. And in came Jose Cuas with the bases loaded to face newly acquired Hunter Renfro. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Renfro hit a ball that Dansby Swanson made a great play. He threw to Nico for one out. And Nico threw it to first to try to complete the double play and get it into extras. But Renfro was safe by an eyelash. And for the second straight night, the Cubs would blow the lead in the ninth and the Reds would walk it off. Yeah, and they acted like they had just won the division. I mean, the 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 bat flip by Ella De La Cruz that ended up really not meaning anything other than tying the game was out of control. Um, yeah, I, I and that was by an eyelash, and they were smart to uh, review it, but uh, the call was correctly made. Yep, and that that's going to take us to game four, Jameson Tyone versus Carson Spears. So the Cubs had two straight walk-off losses. The offense is MIA for the last two games, and now the Cubs had to rely on Jameson Tyone to savage a split. How comfortable were you feeling? Yeah, not, not very good at all. Not, <laughs> not very good as I was listening to this one, and uh, it would start off not really great in the Cubs' way either. No, after scoring three runs in 18 innings, the offense finally decided to show up. In fact, they scored in the first inning on singles by Mike Talkman, Ian Happ, and of course, Cody Bellinger. Let's pitch to him again. RBI single to put the Cubs up one nothing. Since he answered in the bottom when Tyone gave up back-to-back -back jacks to TJ Friedel and Spencer Spear to make it 2-1. to one. Since he, 
Um, just absolutely deflating. And then the Cubs would retake the lead in the second when Amaya walked, Talkman singled to put runners at the corners, Nico walked to load the bases, and Ian Happ with a sack fly to make it three to two Cubs. That lead would not last long because in the bottom of the inning, Will Benson was hit by a pitch and Tyler Stevenson homered. And, uh, you know, the third given up by Tyone in two innings and the Reds were back up four to three. Dustin. That's when uh, I thought, that's when I thought I'm like, that's, that's it. I mean, it's that's done. absolutely right. it. Tyone doesn't have it. Three home runs. Cubs can't come back every other half inning. I, I, I thought it was really going downhill at that point. Yes, sir. And then the Cubs were down four to three. Cody Bellinger hit a solo home run to tie the game. Why the Reds kept pitching to Bellinger beyond me, but thank you very much. Three home runs in four games. But Tyone did settle down, Dustin. He gave the Cubs some length. He went 5.2 innings. He gave up seven hits, three home runs, five runs with seven Ks and no walks. In the sixth inning with one out, he gave up a double to Christian Encarnacion Strand. He got Will Benson to strike out, and then Daniel Palencia came in. He was greeted with a single, and the Reds were back on top five to four. Again, that was a so that was the fifth run right there. It was an inherited run. But the Cubs came back in the seventh. Nico Horner hit a two-out double. Ian Happ uh, drove him in to tie the game at five. But the Cubs' offense broke out in the eighth inning. They scored seven runs, Dustin, then added three more in the ninth. And what was a close game for seven innings turned into right. a blowout with the Cubs winning 15-7. to seven. That offense that was so bad for two games scored 15 runs on 18 hits. Talkman had four hits and three RBIs. Horner, two hits. Hap had three hits and four RBIs. Bellinger, two hits and three RBIs. Even Swanson had two hits with two RBIs. Wow. Who knew he Suz could hit? Yeah, Suzuki had two hits. Candelario had one hit and an RBI. Magical had two hits and two RBIs. Amaya was the only starter without a hit as the Cubs uh, salvaged the finale. But Dustin, as fun as that game was, the series was rough with those two walkout losses in the ninth. And the Cubs' offense cannot, cannot have this disappearing act happen. No, not the at this time of the year. Nope. No. And the bullpen and many of the starters, you're talking Steele, Assad, Wicks. We're in uncharted territory with a lot of these guys with the number of pitches, the number of innings thrown. Same with the bullpen. Leiter was cut from the team before the season was started and re-signed. He has given you everything you could ask for and more. Alzali, not the closer. We didn't know who the closer was going to be this year. These guys have stepped up and done a phenomenal job, but to keep putting them in high-pressure situations night after night is absolutely taxing, and you understand why they may be struggling lately. Yeah, it's understandable, but now that they've got themselves in this position, you know, you don't want to accept that fact, but you you are right. There's no doubt about it. Uh, they are taxed, and these are high, high-leverage situations. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's episode 67 of season two, Cubs Splitsville in Cincy. And in this segment, Crawley interviews Alex Pat from Cubby's Crib to talk about the Cubs' recent offensive struggles. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, you read his work at Cubby's Crib, our good friend Alex Pat. Alex, how are you, buddy? 
Uh, doing okay. Uh, little bummed about the last few nights, but other than that, things are good. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's been a great run, and I think that, you know, you talked about recently the last couple games, the Cubs lost two heartbreakers in, extra, or in the ninth inning where they had the lead going in there, and everyone's like, oh, what's going with Leiter, the bum? What's going on with uh, Alzali? But, you know, you wrote an article at CubbiesCrib.com that kind of had me that I'm like, yes, Alex is on this. It's not, you know, should the bullpen shut them down and do their job? Yes. But when you give the opposing team, when you have no margin for error for your bullpen, those things are going to happen. Yep. And yeah, so I'm, exactly. <laughs> I'm looking at your what you wrote. You wrote a really good article about several Chicago Cubs hitters looking to bust big slumps. When did you kind of get that feeling that, wait a second, there's a problem with the hitting, not the bullpen? Well, you know, when you look at Friday night's game and you had the early opportunity to the score because the Reds pitcher, he had no command whatsoever of the strike zone. And coming up were some of your key guys, one of them being Dansby Swanson. And he took a called third strike right down the middle. And I feel like Dansby Swanson's slump has been kind of publicized more than everybody else's. But then you start to look and you say, okay, you know, the offense has been kind of cold more than hot over the past few weeks. And then you start looking at the numbers and you realize, you know, Mike Talkman's been slumping a bit, which, you know, we people have talked about that a little bit. But then you realize, man, you know, Amaya is slumping and you have Morrell who, you know, outside that heroic home run against the White Sox, he's had his struggles too. And then it kind of clicks. You're like, you know, half these guys that are getting semi-regular to regular time, including your biggest free agent signing, I mean, they're they're really in a pickle. And it's not like, oh, they're hitting, you know, 240 over the past month. I mean, they're hitting below 200 over the past month, some of these guys. And you're just, you're not getting that same production. I, and I mean, think about it. How many of these games have you looked at where like these, are, these RBIs, it's all from like Cody Bellinger. You know, one man can't do it all. Right. I was talking uh, to Mark Willard in, in, in the, in, uh, and, you know, he's from San Francisco. And I was looking, I said, Cubs have scored 15 RBIs in the last seven days. 11 of them have come from Cody Bellinger and Ian Happ, who always destroys the Reds. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you mentioned Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson is the big free agent uh, signing that the Cubs made. And, and, and he's been known to be a streaky uh, hitter. But, but, yep. but, but Alex, right now at this time, you were talking about the numbers. What is Dansby slashing when you take a look at this recently in the last 25 games? So when you look at the numbers and, you know, we're going to go back here to like – um, 25 games. Okay. I mean, that's a pretty good number. We're talking about a slash of 165, 252, 286. And he's got three home runs, two doubles, 27 strikeouts. Now, what I notice about those 27 strikeouts is you probably noticed this too. He's missed some really hittable pitches. And then there are times where he's on it, he stings it, but like it either goes just foul or it lands in a mitt. So, you're seeing a combination of him missing hittable pitches just flat out or just not really getting any luck, whether it's a game of inches or it's they're just not falling. So, you know, it's one of those things where you say, listen, we know Dansby Swanson is a streaky hitter. You just alluded to that. But, you know, you're at a point where you kind of need your big boppers to do their thing. And I do think Dansby will get out of this. I feel like he just needs one of those games where he gets multiple hits and that kind of just maybe just brings him back into it because we know how good of a fastball hitter he is. And 
I believe it was Friday's, the first game of the doubleheader, I went back and watched the tape, and there was this one at-bat where he had multiple just cookies right down the middle, and he was just fouling them off, and then he struck out on a hanging breaking ball. In April, that hanging breaking ball is going into the upper deck at Great American Ballpark. So you just hope he works out of it. I mean, this this is an essential bat right here. You know, you can talk about depth guys, platoon guys, whatever, but this is one of your regulars. This is the one that you really want to see heat up. Right, and you're talking about a guy that's sometimes batting second or fifth or even sixth in the lineup. You're not talking about an eight or nine hitter. This is a right. guy that you need production from. Now, another guy that you you met that you haven't mentioned, I don't think just yet, but he was a guy, the former Cub, big trade pickup, you know, and all, and he just came out out of the gate like a racehorse. Is Heimer yep. Candelario, and again, looking at the last twenty games, another. So this is kind of overlapping with Dansby Swanson as far as what Heimer's doing. You know, you, you kind of wrote about that when, you know, he was hitting 483 for a little while when he came back and now the other direction. Yeah. And I feel like you see some of the swings he takes against the sliders, you know, hard breaking balls, and he's just getting completely fooled by them. And, you know, we knew that he wasn't going to be maintaining a 400 plus batting average for as long as he is. And, you know, it was nice to see him hit a home run on Saturday night because, the good thing about him is that even though the overall slash doesn't look great over the past month, he has hit some timely home runs. He hit that one in Pittsburgh last week. Um, I know they didn't win the game, but he hit one last night. So, you know, it's with, with Candelario, he's the kind of guy where he's like, you know what? He's been very productive this year, especially in the power department. There's probably going to be some dips and highs and there had to be some sort of like a high for him coming back to the Cubs. Like, ultra focused, just really into it. And then things just kind of tail off a little bit. So at least with him is like, okay, listen, he's down in the order. Like we mentioned Dansby Swanson, he's middle of the order where Candelario's down in the order. And you say, listen, if you can just get decent production from him, you don't need him to hit 300 plus the rest of the year. But if, if you can get, you know, decent power, decent on base from him going forward, then you take that because, you brought him in to kind of bolster things, solidify things, but not be your main guy. Right. And, and, and you know, uh, one guy that it drives me nuts because, he, Alex, you know how people can kind of go on these tangents, how everyone said, why didn't Christopher Morrell start the season with the Cubs? Is because the guy was working on some things and, mm-hmm. and everybody acts like this guy is, is, is the next, you know, coming of, of Ted Williams or or, you know, or Man, Manny Rodriguez or something, but he still has issues. And, and, and again, looking now since August 1st, you know, he's slashing 152, 221, 317 with 31 strikeouts. Yeah. Alex, that is, that's un, unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, as I mentioned in my article, you know, 24 years old, his second year in the big leagues, you kind of get some of those Javi Baez vibes sometime with the way he goes up there. And, you know, I was saying this earlier and in the article too, um, earlier in the season when he was more locked in, I feel like he did a better job of laying off some of those pitches that last year he would have just been chasing. And then I think when things get in his head a little bit, when things kind of, you know, when things don't go as well, you see pressing a little bit. And, you know, you see teams, they go high with the fastball or slider down in a way. And, you know, this, I feel like there's just going to be a reality that Morell is going to be this type of player. He's going to have his stretches where he's red hot, 
He's going to have his stretches where he's ice cold. It's just, I feel like as valuable as he is, you know, consistency is going to be one of those, not only growing pains, but just kind of part of his game in general. And I always kind of keep reminding myself, he's still pretty new to this. And, you know, you mentioned him not coming up at the beginning of the regular season. I'm kind of with you because we knew there were things he had to work on. I mean, that was obvious last year. It was kind of the same thing. He came up red hot, absolutely red hot. Then the adjustments came and then you saw some of the struggles. So we all knew there were things he had to work on. And if he would have come up right away, I don't know if he'd be putting up exactly the numbers that he's putting up now. I, I can't say that for sure. I do think there is something to be said about him working on a few things in Iowa to start the season. But, you know, either way, you're going to kind of get this streakiness from him. Now, you know, you released this article about the Cubs hitters on September 2nd, and it was on the first that they call up Alexander Canario. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying to myself, okay, this is a power hitter, right-handed bat. You know, you didn't have to play, you know, you could easily have played him in DH rather than sure. uh, Morel the other night. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that they didn't play him as a guy who's hot, who's seen the pitcher yesterday on Saturday uh, in the minor leagues. I mean, I don't know if it's fair to ask you, but do you have any theories on that? It's it's kind of head-scratching. I understand not playing him every single game. I, I totally get that. There are certain matchups where you could say, okay, we want it this way, but you felt like the one time where you had a lefty on the mound, that was more than perfect for him to get a first taste of the big leagues. And hey, listen, you look at the history of Cubs debuts at Great American Ballpark. You remember Starlin Castro and Jorge Soler? They homered in their first at-bats there. If you want a good place to have an MLB debut as a hitter, Cincinnati is not a bad one to go to. I mean, it's it's a hitter's ballpark. The matchup was perfect. It, it didn't make sense to me that he didn't get a single start. Even if you just could, would have gotten the one. Okay. You know, again, I don't expect him to be every day, every at-bat. I mean, he didn't even get a chance on Saturday night to even pinch hit. You know, there right. were there were opportunities outside of just starting. At that one, I, I just don't agree with the front office's thinking where you sit in the dugout and you sit in the clubhouse and you get the vibe. You know how you develop? By playing, by seeing pitching, by taking swings, getting actual game time experience. You can listen to all the rah-rah stuff all you want. You just got to play. And like I said, if he would have just started in one of these four games, okay, fine. It, the fact that he started in none of them, I, I, I just can't agree with that. It's, it's a head scratching move. And then, and then, you know, you talk about rah rah. Cub fans everywhere were rah rah for Mr. Mike Talkman. You know, saving, you know, clutch hits. You know, saving, uh, stealing home runs from the Cardinals. A guy that when he kind of came started to solidify how the order looked. But again, we're talking over the last 16, 20 games, 15, 20, 25 games, Talkman has been hurting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think with Talkman, the way I see it is you've gotten more value out of him than I would have ever suspected going to this season. I mean, this was a guy that didn't even come out of spring training. I, I thought he should have, but still, you know, he didn't come up until after opening day. And you think, okay, you know, this is just kind of a depth guy. You know, you think of guys you've had in the past, whether it was like, Sergio Alcantara or even like Miles Mastroboni this year you kind of saw it in a similar fashion but he's proven more valuable than I could have imagined and it just it felt like 
there was going to be an inevitable cool spot. I mean, this is a guy who in his career has bounced around and has served as a fourth, fifth outfielder. You know, this was never an everyday guy. So I think playing him regularly when the iron was hot, strike when the iron was hot was a good thing. But I do think there was a reality that you were going to hit a slumping point at some point. He gives you professional at-bats. His career OBP is like 338. It's pretty good. But you're you're not going to get a guy who's going to be regularly hitting the ball and hitting home runs. You're going to have some peaks and valleys. And, you know, he, he is a valuable depth piece. But, you know, when time goes on and slumps hit, then, you know, maybe sometimes you have to make some adjustments. The nice thing is today he's looked good so far. But, you know, overall, he's kind of hit that wall. But you hope he can kind of work his way out of it and continue being a valuable depth piece. Right. Depth piece, not an everyday player, which he, he kind of has been kind of forced into that issue. Mm-hmm. And you got to wonder, well, I don't know. I wonder at least is, you know, is PCA going to come up? Are you going to give Talkman more of that kind of regular role that he's used to, but who knows, maybe they'll call up PCA and not play him at all. Like they did with uh, Canario. Who knows? One last, I'm just getting bitter now. Um, this <laughs> guy, Alex, that you have on here is a guy that I was looking forward to seeing. And then you ended up seeing that he, you know, when they, when they cut Tucker Barnhart, you're like, okay, Miguel Amaya is going to get some of these at bats here. And, 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 and like you wrote in the article, boom, rookie wall. Yeah. I mean, this right here for me, I just think is growing pains as a rookie. You know, you, you start off pretty good. You saw him spray the ball around. You saw him taking some walks. He's been getting hit quite a bit, which kind of stinks. But, uh, you know, I still think that you look at some of the at-bats he has and you say, okay, you just kind of see the adjustments that need to be made. Pitchers are adjusting. He needs to adjust. You know, this is one thing where I'm just thinking, you know, listen, just keep building yourself because, you know, you, you cut a veteran catcher, which I think was absolutely the right move. But, you know, when you have a rookie like this, you're going to have to expect growing pains. And I, I just think that's what we're seeing right now. And you know what? Next year, he's going to have that opportunity to take the next step. And, you know, obviously you hope he ends this year on a good note. But from an offensive and defensive perspective as a young catcher, these are just kind of the things you go through. And, um, you know, I think we all had to expect that at some point. Right. And and so right now, Alex, like I said, you know, they're they're playing the Cardinals or I'm sorry, the Reds right now. And uh, boy, oh boy, Jamison Tyone's just uh, throwing some BP right out there. So if, if, if the Cubs offense is going to turn around, now's the day. Alex, I appreciate you jumping on. Where can our listeners go to find more of your articles, which I always think have a lot of great content? Well, thank you for having me. Uh, you could check out CubbiesCrib.com. Um, on Twitter, I'm ShyFanPat2. So sometimes I post, well, really all the time, I post the articles I write there. So if you want to look at it there. Uh, also, be sure to check out the Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago podcast. We talk all Chicago sports teams. Bears season's coming up for all Bears fans that are out there. Come listen to us. We'll be talking, recapping every game of the season. And uh, yeah, again, thanks for having me. So be sure to check out Cubby's Crib. We got a lot of good writers over there, a lot of good content. So be sure to check it out. Thanks for jumping on, Alex. Appreciate it. And you enjoy the rest of the holiday. And hopefully the Cubs will turn this one around. Absolutely. Thank you. Great job, Crowley, with that one. Let's take a look after this uh Red Series heading into the Giants Series. Let's take a look at the standings. Oh, boy. Dustin, this is getting wild, buddy. This is getting wild there. The Cubs are 3.5 backs from the Brewers, so they're still in it. 
that, you know, there's still a chance that they can win the NL Central. Since he is 6.5 games back, uh, Pittsburgh 13.5, and the lowly St. Louis Cardinals are 17.5 back. Ah, you hate to see it. That's always Uh, fun to say. (laughs) And then the wild card, Dustin. Can we get any more wild in this wild card right here? Philly is on top. Thank you, Philly, by the way, for beating the Brewers yesterday. You actually took one. Yeah. But they they are 5.5 games up in the wild card. And then the Cubs are three games up in the second spot of the wild card. But you now have Arizona, Miami, San Francisco, and the Reds all right there at, at, at 70 and 67. They all have the same winning percentage. So this this is absolutely uh, again this is getting wild. Arizona lost a couple. Miami won four in a row, and San Francisco has lost three. And so you know now all of a sudden you're saying to yourself, this is this is this is just going to go nuts till the end of the season. Yeah, it, it makes it a lot it makes it a lot more fun, but it also makes it uh, a lot more pressure packed. There is no doubt about that. Let's take a look at some of the uh, news and notes since our last episode. Yeah, we talked last time about the large number of players on the waiver wire. We've never seen this before. And and the Angels just literally dumped everybody. Teams had until 1 p.m. on Thursday to make their claims. The picks went in reverse order of winning percentage. Once the dust settled, a lot of players had new homes, and the big winners were the Cleveland teams, right? The Guardians took three of the best players on the waiver wire. They took starter Lucas Giolito, relievers Matt, uh, Reynaldo Lopez, and Matt Moore. Dustin, I know you liked uh, Reynaldo Lopez. I wanted Matt Moore, but the Indian, the Guardians took all three, you know, three of those players. And then the Reds picked up two outfielders before the series with the Cubs, Hunter Renfro and Harrison Bader. You saw Bader uh, pinch running a bunch. Hunter Renfro had the game-winning hit in the third game. And then the Brewers, who the Cubs were chasing in the NL Central, picked up third baseman Josh Donaldson. He was a Cubs uh, first-round draft pick in 2007. But, you know, uh, Cubs insider and our uh, beat writer and score and Odyssey baseball insider Bruce Levine reported that the Cubs did put claims on Reynaldo Lopez and Matt Moore. But, Dustin, I was listening to the Mully and Haw show. You know, you can listen to it 5 to 9 uh, every day, you know, in the morning. And, and I always listen to you guys. And you made a good point that it is not fair for one team to be able to snatch up as many players as they want. That was ridiculous. Right. I, I don't get it. I understand, of course, that they should get the shot before the Cubs, but why they get everybody. Like once they take a guy, they should be, they should be out unless everybody else. And that means the teams above them as well pass on that. I think it's something baseball is going to have to look into because this is almost like, and we wondered, right? We wondered why teams like the Guardians, why teams like the Reds didn't do a whole heck of a lot at the trade deadline. And maybe this is what they were gunning for. Yeah, it was, it was a it was a risky gamble, but it paid off for them. But Absolutely. yeah, baseball, baseball is definitely going to have to look at this. Got to take a uh, look at that. They got to make a change because that, that that isn't fair. That that's messed up, and and it's you know that's defeats the purpose of the trade deadline. You know what I mean? But absolutely, uh, it, it it runs right around it. It's not it's not in the spirit of what this is supposed to be. No. Um. Some other sad news. We had the passing of Jimmy Buffett, and 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 there is a very strong Chicago connection. I just want to tell this story right here. Is back in the days, a lot of the folk musicians there was kind of this circuit, and when you came to Chicago 
the one place you would go if you were a folk artist is you you knew you you could stop at Steve Goodman's place and he would put you up for the night and kind of show you around. Steve Goodman, an absolute diehard Cub fan. So what he would do is that you would come in. Uh, these guys would come into town and Jimmy Buffett was one of them and he would stay at Steve Goodman's and, and Goodman would take you to a Cubs game at 120 because it was all day games and then you'd play your show at night. And so Steve Goodman, as everyone knows, he wrote one of the most funny Cubs songs ever. It's a dying Cub fan's last request because he had leukemia and he knew he didn't have long. But in 1984, the Cubs asked him to write the iconic song, Go Cubs Go. And it was obviously a big hit when it came out for uh, the Chicagoland area. And what ends up happening is that um, as the Cubs get close to winning the postseason, to getting into the postseason since the first time since 1945, the Cubs contact Goodman and say, we can't, we don't know anyone else who would be better to do the national anthem. And so they asked him, he said, yes. And the Cubs four days before the Cubs or eight days before the Cubs clinched, he, he succumbed to cancer. And, uh, what ends up happening is that the family and the Cubs asked Jimmy Buffett to sing the anthem in 1984 game one of the national league championship series. And, and, and Jimmy came out with a heavy heart, lost his friend and he dedicated the anthem. He said it before he sang, I dedicate this one to Steve Goodman and just did a phenomenal rendition of the anthem. So kind of just a little story there. And then also you had Jimmy Buffett who played, the first concerts ever at Wrigley in 2005. And in tribute to Steve Goodman, he played part of the concert in the southern corner of the right field bleachers yeah. where he used to sit with Goodman. He also played shows there in 2017 and 18, but he was a Cub fan. He loved following the Cubs. <laughs> He'll be sorely missed. Yeah, that was uh, some surprising news to wake up to over the weekend that he was uh... – unfortunately no longer with us. Let's also talk about some of the uh, roster moves, a little injury news to share with everybody. So Dustin, I was absolutely over the moon on Thursday. Uh, Jesse Rogers breaks the news that the Cubs were calling up outfield prospect, Alexander Canario and veteran righty Shane Green. Now Green, I was fine with, you know what I mean? But Alexander Canario, he was, he was picked up along with Caleb Killian in the trade for to San Francisco with Chris Bryant. This is a guy that had more home runs than Matt Mervis last season. He hits the ball hard, 400 and some feet home runs. And I was absolutely stoked to see him come into the Red Series. And guess what? David Ross had him sit on the bench. I, I don't understand when the, again, you got a doubleheader. These guys have played a lot of games. Why wouldn't you give the guy a shot to see what you have there? Especially, like I said, I would, I would have, I would have rested say one night. And then on Friday night and then on Saturday, right? You know, he, he, it's a lefty. He's faced line Richardson in the minors. I, I don't understand it, Dustin. I, I don't know if it was Jed's decision. I don't know if it was Ross's decision, but whoever's decision it was absolutely stupid. See what you got in this guy. You don't know if you're going to sign Cody Bellinger next year. Would, would all Cup fans love that? Yes. But you're talking about Scott Boris and you're going to talk about a lot of money. So why wouldn't you give this kid a chance to, just to see what you got? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I'll be curious to see if Ross has uh, any answers for that kind of thing because we haven't seen him a lick yet, right? Nope. He did not have one at bat the entire series in, in Cincinnati. So think about that. If you're a power hitter, where else would be better to start 
than in Cincinnati. That's where you had the debuts of tons of guys. I remember Starlin Castro, home run, first at bat in Cincy. That, that, that's a hitter's park, man. What are you right. doing? Right. And then we got some good news, supposedly, maybe on Marcus Stroman coming. Yep, he's in Arizona right now. He threw a bullpen session and um, – you know, and and so he's going to be throwing a bullpen session today. So that's the next step of his rehab from his rib injury. Don't count Marcus Stroman out. He's a guy that really takes care of his body, and then he may be back. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Piece of news to keep an eye on. Also, Michael Fulmer, We looks like we could use him in the bullpen, and he could be back as soon as September the 8th. Yeah, he played a little bit of long toss, and since he, the team checked on him, so he's progressing. And then on Sunday – Three Cubs uh, pitch in Iowa as far as the bullpen. Brandon Hughes, Dustin, back. Lefty. He went one inning and gave up no runs on one hit, one walk, and one K. Nick Birdie pitched a scoreless inning, gave up no hits and one K. And Ben Brown, you know, he wasn't with the Cubs this year, but he was somebody that people thought would um, be the one that came up, not Jordan Wicks. Uh, but he, he was injured, and so... He threw one inning, gave up no runs, uh, one hit, and two Ks. So just something to keep an eye on. Yep, lots of news, lots of notes to keep an eye on for sure. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 67, Cubs, Splitsville, in Cincy. And now Crawley interviews Mark Willard from 95.7 The Game, host of the Dillard and Dib Show in San Fran, to help preview the Cubs-Giants series. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have Mark Willard, host of the Willard and Dib Show, 2 to 6 Pacific time from 95.7 The Game. Mark, how you doing? How is it over in San Francisco right now? Well, everything uh, everything is good, uh, Crawley, man. First off, it's uh, it's good to see you. It's good to hear you. Good to be back with you. Uh, so excited to chop it up a little bit. Everything is uh, Everything is fine. It would be better if the Giants could score more runs, but outside of that, everything is fine. All right, so we're we're kind of in the same boat here. We're going to get that because run scoring for both teams are kind of coming at a premium right now. Yeah. And so, you know, last time we saw you guys was in June. The Cubs took two at three. And, Mark, that was kind of a weird one because the Cubs were absolutely abysmal at the time. They had just gotten swept by the Angels. They were 10 games back in the division, looked dead in the water. And then David Ross held a team meeting, and, and, and the Cubs went 10 for their next two and their next 12 games back in the race so in the postseason now but here's the thing is that when we faced you last we had Marcus Stroman he pitched a good game against Anthony Disclafani the Cubs were able to win that one in game one it was a close one um they took it three to two and then if you remember game two Kyle Hendricks you guys aren't facing him this time around but he had a no hitter in the eighth and Chris Morrell had three RBIs I don't know if you remember that one but that I I was thinking Hendricks would get the no-no on that yeah, and I think uh, Junis was uh, pitched a bunch of, uh, of those innings for uh, for the Giants. And, um, yeah, like, you know, really solid pitching performances by the other side are, are kind of a repetitive thing uh, for the Giants this year. As we said, they don't score a whole lot of runs. The matchups were interesting, though, because if you do look back on that, the Cubs did hit the Giants at a spot where they did not really have to face any of the Giants' front line starting, um, although you could argue the Giants – that's kind of what they've done all year. Like they've got Logan Webb, they've got Alex Cobb who made the all-star team. Um, and, and then outside of that, it's be, whether because of injuries or ineffectiveness, they've been throwing out openers. They've been throwing out people they've just called up. It's been a total mixed bag and a mishmash of what they're doing in terms of, of starting pitching. 
And only in the last week and a half has that started to finally define itself a little bit better, mainly because their number one prospect has been called up, Kyle Harrison. But he pissed last night, and you guys aren't going to see him, and you're not going to see Alex Cobb either. So could be a similar feeling type series. You'll face Logan Webb in one of the games, and then you're going to get a look at this Giants mishmash after that. Yeah, last time you guys started Brebbia twice as an opener, so that yeah. that's kind of goes what you're talking. You took the third game 13-3 to against Hayden Wisniewski, and Jock Peterson went 4-4. to Man, that guy is just, you know, he's just like a, he's like a drinkster, you know what I mean? He, I mean, he'd be a perfect cub, to be honest with you. I mean, he is the city of Chicago, man. He is just smiling. He's having fun. He's out there swinging for the fences. And uh, he doesn't look like a baseball player. I don't even know what he does look like, you know. Uh, but it's it, it has a beer league softball feel to the whole thing. He's a lot better last year than, than he has been this year. He's dealt with some injuries and ineffectiveness as well. But uh, he's fun. He's fun. <laughs> he's that's that's why I feel like he he'd fit in in Chicago. You know, we, we, I, we had him for a little bit, and then we traded him to Atlanta, and he went on to win a World Series. So exactly, was, <laughs> exactly. Fun guy, but you guys also picked up somebody uh, that the Cubs are very familiar with, and Paul DeYoung. He was traded from the Cardinals to the Blue Jays on August first, then cut by Toronto, and now he's with the Giants. I mean, I know he's struggling, but he always seems to give the Cubs fits. Well, he had a great introduction to Giants fans. His very first game after. He was let go by the Blue Jays and picked up by the Giants, which was uh, coincidental because the Giants went after him a little bit at the deadline simply because he fits the profile of what they were needing. They've had so many injuries up the middle of the diamond. Uh, the ability to, to play shortstop and hit right-handed is something that the Giants really wanted, um, but they didn't get him. I don't think they were liking the price. The Blue Jays let him go, so the Giants pick him up, and in his very first game as a Giant, he has two or three hits, including a home run in Philadelphia, and everybody's like, sweet. I don't know if I've seen him get a hit since. So, like, <laughs> he, you know, he, he he's not a big bat, um, but he is, uh, you know, a situation of now and need for, uh, for the Giants. But uh, it, it's another example of sort of what you'll see with, with Giants baseball. It's, it's a lot of plug-and-play. It's a lot of grab off the street and in the starting lineup, batting fifth the very next night. And quite frankly, Carly, like, I mean, this team is sitting in a wild card spot right behind the Cubs right now. But I'd also say, even though they're in the playoff picture, the giant fan base in the era of Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler has never been more frustrated uh, than it is right now. I feel like just don't have a whole lot of good players. Um, don't really allow the fans to kind of attach themselves to players because of that in and out nature of the whole thing. And uh, don't really believe in them, even though they do have more wins and losses. That's kind of the feel right now. That's interesting. And, and you did pick up AJ Pollock at the trade deadline, but nothing oh. else. How's AJ been doing? And were you surprised that the giants didn't try to get a little bit more? Well, uh, so first off, AJ was, that was a circumstantial acquisition as well. Uh, I think, um, you know, the Mariners were looking to clear him. He was probably about to get DFA'd. Um, the Giants had injuries to Mitch Hanniger and Mike Yastrzemski and thought, hey, uh, sure, we'll give AJ a look. That was really what it was uh, because what the Giants gave up was, uh, you know, kind of the future cash considerations, player to be named later type thing. They basically gave up nothing to get him. He came in, 
Uh, you know, a couple of good games, mostly uninspiring, and then got hurt himself. So, um, so he has not been a big part of the picture. A lot of people were surprised, self-included, that the Giants weren't more aggressive at the deadline. But then again, I, I, I sort of understood it when you looked at who got dealt and what was the price. I thought the prices were completely ridiculous throughout the deadline. And I also didn't think, as far as offensively speaking, any real big difference makers uh, were, were dealt. So the Giants are suffering from a, a diamond full of C-plus players, and they could have replaced them with other C-plus players and, and chose not to do that, and I understood that. Yeah. And, and like you said a little bit earlier, I mean, this wild card picture, I mean, I, I didn't know if I would like this new playoff format, but a lot of teams now have an opportunity to get in. Yeah. You got Philadelphia at 74 and 61 on top. You got the Cubs at 72 and 64. They're up two games, but now you have Arizona and San Francisco. So you guys are tied for that third and final wild card spot at 70 and 66. And because of the Cubs ineffectiveness against Cincinnati, they could have buried them. They're now back in it. They're only 0.001 percentage points behind Arizona and San Fran at 71 and 67. Now you guys are finishing up a series today with San Diego, another team that looked dead in the water. The, the mirror, the mirroring right now between the Cubs and San Francisco is ridiculous because like we could have buried Arizona in our division, or I'm sorry, we could have buried Cincinnati in our division. We lost two games in the ninth inning in the last two days. And then you guys could have absolutely ended San Diego's season and you've lost two to a San Diego team that's been, I think, disappointing is is not even doesn't even begin to describe the Padres. Oh my God, the Padres and Mets to me that those are the teams where you're like, if you're a fan of those teams, you have a right to be really, really ticked off th this season. Like that is the 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 picture of underperforming and and uh, and just uninspired and and all of that stuff. But yeah, let's be real. Like these teams we're talking about are not that great. They're just not that good at teams. I mean, the Phillies and Cubs, at least they're out there boasting run differentials that make them look like actual threats. Um, they have middle-of-the-order type players, um, maybe not overwhelming, but, you know, the, the Cubs have a couple. The Phillies sure do. They have a lineup that has portions of it that scares you. You get into the rest of those teams you just mentioned and throw the Marlins in, too. One game right now in the standing separates the Giants, Diamondbacks, Reds, and Marlins. Um, the Cubs certainly haven't shaken free of that group, but they, I think, are, are most likely to get the second wild card spot. And then those other four teams are all battling for, for the final spot, and they probably will to the last week of the season because, frankly, none of them are good enough to shake off anybody else. You know, that's been the Giants' problem. Early in the year, they were able to go on win streaks. They've not been able to do that, even when they get a couple things going. Um, they've had a really tough stretch of the schedule where it was a lot of, of Braves and Phillies and then Braves again and like just playing really, really hard teams um, at, at every turn. They've hung in there enough to not get swept in those series, but they just have not been able to piece anything together. And it's largely because of what we're talking about. You don't have two or three starting pitchers who can kind of reel off something in a row and, uh, and you don't have enough offensive talent to kind of uh, win games where you get hot and win games by scoring six or seven runs in a game. The Giants are trying to do it the same way every night, which is we're going to try to beat you three to two. And to me, the pressure on the pitching staff is, is just overwhelming in a situation like that. And you're starting to see it as guys wear down as we get into September. 
And you're talking about the same thing with the Cubs. Again, they only scored a they they only had they only scored one or two runs the last two games against Cincinnati, and then okay, hand it to the bullpen. And again, they only have one run. They make a mistake, allowed the Reds to get back, and that's what's been killing us. But you gotta, you know, I know Mark last was it last year? You came out to Chicago. You came out to Wrigley Field. Yeah. We had a good time. We drank some Malort. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you yes, know. we did. I was just looking at pictures last week. I was with a lot of the buddies I had with me because we were out there for our fantasy draft and we just did it again. We did it in Napa Valley. We just did it in wine country here in the Bay Area this year. But uh, the group was all back together and we were scrolling through pictures of uh, of our speakeasy days together, Crawley, and it was it brought smiles to the faces of all. It was it was it was a great moment, but you you know I wish you were coming up this time around here. But we got it. We got a pretty good, I, I think, a pretty good matchup as far as as when you take a look at the pitchers here. You guys are going to see um, a couple of our frontline pitchers, and to be honest, our pitching hasn't been the problem. Our starters have been really good lately. We've had a couple of young guys really come up and, and pitch very well. Um, you know, in the absence of Marcus Stroman and Drew Smiley demoted. But that first game, we had Justin Steele at 15-3, and all-star for us. And we're going to be taking on Logan Webb, who's 9-11. Yeah. and 11. Talk to us a little bit about Logan Webb. Well, Logan Webb is, is steady Eddie. Like, uh, his numbers are not going to really tell the story. Um, he's struggled a little bit of late, with, again, with a couple outings that were against that Braves lineup. Uh, but Logan is, uh, while he doesn't wow you when you just sit there and watch him, um, he does some really, really elite fine-tuned stuff. Uh, very, very hard to elevate the ball off of him. Gets a lot of ground balls and, uh, and hits his spots really, really well. Logan is their, he's their number one. Um, he hasn't had a number one type season, um, but he's their number one and he's absolutely capable of, uh, of shoving uh, the other teams. That's a great pitching matchup in the first one. And then, as I said, you're not going to see uh, anything that really stands out after that. You'll probably see Tristan Beck in one of the games, but he's sort of a, a starter light. In other words, they're never going to be in there for more than four, maybe five innings tops. And then you're probably going to see an opener after that, which could be and, – and that opener, sometimes the Giants sort of split the difference with it. They've got guys who open like Ryan Walker and Scott Alexander out of the bullpen, or they've got another guy in Jacob Junis who's kind of like Tristan Beck who will start and they'll go with him as long as he's rolling, but then it's kind of a quick hook. So you never really usually see them go more than four innings. So it's a, uh, it's a grab bag. It is uh, it's kind of frustrating to the fans. It does not intimidate the other team. Sometimes if it's going well, it, it prevents the other team from getting real comfortable in the box. Um, but, but that's who you're going to see. And then out of the bullpen, you'll see guys who used to be starters um, uh, hold down what's called a bulk innings role. And uh, it's just something to watch. The guys do not like it, but the Giants feel like it works. So Sean Manaya, Alex Wood, these guys now pitch out of the bullpen. They were hired to be starters. They were ineffective. They go to the bullpen. And when the Ryan Walkers and Jacob Junis's run out of gas in the third or fourth inning, they bring them in to try to see if they can go three innings or so. And so that's the kind of the way they played. It was really effective for them for a while. It's starting to get a little bit more wobbly late in the season. Yeah, for game two, you're going to be going up against Kyle Hendricks, who, again, just like you said, steady Eddie, one of those type of guys. He's going to give up maybe two, maybe three runs. 
give you about five or six innings, but he, it's interesting, uh, Mark, he, he calls his own game on the pitch com. So it's not the, uh, it's not the catcher. He's the one that's pressing the buttons that, that, that the catcher and the infielders getting. And again, that game against San Francisco was his best start of the season, eight, eight innings of one hit ball. You know, I don't know if he could do that again. Well, he, pro- he probably can. He probably can Crawley. <laughs> like just put it. Here's a fun thing for Cubs fans. Do you feel like the Cubs have a hard time scoring runs? Do you feel like that, that they do last two games? Yes. Okay, last two games, yes. But whatever frustrations you have with the Cubs scoring runs, they have scored 93 more runs this year than the Giants have. The Giants are – it's almost a miracle that they're in the playoffs when you look at the number of runs that that they score. They have not gotten to 600 runs yet this year. Um, There are a handful of teams in the the majors, in the National League, that have not scored – 600 runs yet but they are all of the worst teams right the marlins are there too they're in this a little bit but the other teams that have not gotten to 600 the pirates the mets the nationals the rockies you get the idea the giants score at a level that is very very poor yet somehow they're able to to pull out enough games to stay in this thing would you say it's the it's a coaching thing or what do you think it is um, I don't think it's coaching. I just, I mean, like a very simplistic answer is they don't have enough good hitters. I mean, they just, they like, they, they have tried to play a platoon system and not get locked into long-term deals, except for the very high level talent, right? They famously went after judge and Correa and, uh, and did not, did not get either one of them. They got Correa, but then let him go. And that's turned out to be a good thing actually. But in, in the absence of that, it's been, Bringing up a lot of, of young talent, you'll see a lot of rookies that you did not see the first time around. The Giants have brought a lot of players up from the farm. So obviously, even if they're good, you're going to get inconsistent performances from them because a lot of them are 22 to 24 years old. And then you've got a lot of Jock Petersons and J.D. Davises. Wilmer Flores has been their best hitter by far, but by and large, these are guys that in a perfect world you would, you would platoon. Um, and even Michael Conforto, who's been at least somewhat of a, a middle-of-the-order bat for them this year, but he's hurt, and, and he's out right now. So it's just a lot of, as I called them, C-plus level hitters, and it's hard to string things together when you're doing that in the lineup. Well, you're talking about young guys that we didn't see before. One guy that you didn't see before is Jordan Wicks, who's going to be pitching game three. He's the Cubs' 2021 first-round draft pick. He's only 24 years old, but he started against Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. I know they're not uh, world beaters there, but he's only given one run up in each game. He's gone five innings pitch in both of them. So I'm very curious to see. I mean, I think I think the Giants are a step up from Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, but, you know, we'll, we'll kind of wait and see. But that one, you know, you really kind of keep an eye on this kid because, you know, for the Cubs – I, I, you know, with the pitching staff next year, there's going to be a lot of competition. We have a lot of young pitchers. Um, ben Brown is one of them. And, and you can see, like I said, Hayden Wesniski had a really great game yesterday. He pitched out of the bullpen, like that, like that middle long relief you talked about three innings. He did really good. And then uh, when you're taking a look at Jordan Wicks, these are all guys that I kind of got a feeling are going to be there. Now, when we talk about the hot and the not right now, for the Cubs, you know, you got to watch out for Ian Happ. He's doing pretty well lately. He's seven for his last 22 with two home runs and five RBIs. Uh, he always plays well in Cincinnati, though, so I'm just kind of putting that out there. He's kind of had a rough year a little bit, but, uh, 
you know, he was an all-star last season. This year he's struggling a little bit, but the guy you got to look out for, I'm just giving you a fair warning right now, Cody Bellinger. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder if San Fran might be in on him, you know, when he becomes a free agent. Well, they, I think they were last time around. I think they're regretting that they didn't end up getting him. Obviously, they know him very, very well. And uh, not just because of his years with the Dodgers, like literally the most painful moment in recent Giants history was uh, game five of their 2021 playoff series against the Dodgers. And uh, you got a 2-2 series tie and a tie ball game into uh, into the top of the ninth inning. And, and Cody Bellinger at that time hitting under 200, um, you know, he was struggling with the Dodgers his last couple of years. Uh, but he ripped a base hit into right center field and that won that baseball game two to one and sent the Dodgers into the next round and ended the Giants season. So we know Cody very, very well. Um, I think that uh, that he would have fit perfectly with the Giants. Farhan Zaidi knows him well from his time with the Dodgers. And so that has been another miss in free agency, if you will. And when I talk about them not having enough good hitters, that's that's the kind of guy I'm talking about. That's who they needed and, and didn't get. So yeah, eyes will always be on him. Um, and, yeah, all the Cubs need to worry about, you know, as I said, Wilmer Flores, he's offensively carried the Giants for the last month, month and a half. He's now got 20 home runs. He's the only uh, um, he's the only Giant on the team that, that, that has reached the, the 20 home run mark. Tyro Estrada is back from injury playing pretty well. Mike Yastrzemski just came back from injury and got off to a hot start. Um, but – you know, I'm going to call it like a Giants fan will. Who are you scared of in the Giants lineup, Crawley? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. Well, I'm going to give you this fact, this little fact right here to, to, for you, just to give some Giants fans a little, as far as how one-sided this offense has been. In the last seven days, the Cubs have scored 15, uh, they have 15 RBIs. Players have hit 15 RBIs okay. out of that team. Out of, the, out of that 15 RBIs, 11 of them are Cody Bellinger and Ian Happ. Only four other guys have one RBI, and that's it. Woo! Struggling. So, struggling, it's, and it's know, been Cody look. Bellinger and Ian Happ right now kind of just keeping the boat afloat. Yep, yep. It's 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 the dog days. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, before the Giants got into that, they, they, they won four out of five at the beginning of the week, and their bats finally started to make a little bit noise. They, they had an eight to five Sunday night baseball win over the Braves and then scored 10 runs over two days uh, against the Reds. And they opened that Padres series with a seven to two win. So it's been a little bit better. But if you I mean, you can look back on uh, on what was happening the month before that the Giants record this year when they score four runs or more is elite. Um, but uh, but there are so many games where they don't do that. So that's. That's that. If there's a uh, a method to it for the Cubs, um, keep the Giants to three or less, and and uh, and I know that sounds like that's just baseball, but it's easier to do than you might think. And and uh, and if you do that, you're you're gonna have a good series. And Mark, I'm telling you, if all the, if the Giants, if they have one piece of advice, I'm gonna give them. Do not pitch to Cody Bellinger. Just give him the Barry Bonds treatment. Just give him, give him the signal. Just let him walk. Don't pitch to him. I don't care what the situation. And you guys might have a, a good chance of winning the series. I, you know what? I'm, I'm bummed that we're not going to see because I wish, and I don't know, he's only had three starts. If you've had a chance to see any Kyle Harrison highlights yet, he pitched last night and actually struggled a little bit in San Diego. But his game against the Reds last week, he struck out 11 in, uh, I think, six and a third. 
and he actually came out. I mean, he struck out the first five batters of the game. Like, he's got electric stuff, and especially as a lefty, I would have loved to see him pitch against Cody Bellinger. So, <laughs> who knows? Maybe something crazy will happen. Maybe they'll see each other in the playoffs, but I, I look forward to those battles when they come. I'm, I'm going to watch him when he – Harrison Hitt pitches next against Colorado after they're yep. done with the Cubs. So I'll watch him then, but I'm glad we don't have to face him now. Mark, I appreciate you so much jumping on here. Where can our listeners find you on uh, social media? Uh, Twitter, it's Mark underscore T underscore Willard. Instagram, it's MT Willard. Those are the two places where I, I put out most of my stuff. And and as you mentioned, the show in the afternoons in uh, in San Francisco. And, and uh, you know, don't be offended – if uh, the Giants on our show, if you check in after one of the Giants-Cubs games and you don't hear a whole lot of Giants because this town is absolutely turned up about the 49er quarterback situation and week one, and it's hard to get a word in edgewise about the Giants right now because everybody is so 49er obsessed and their eyes are going to be on Justin Fields because with Trey Lance being traded – did they screw up by not taking fields? All that stuff has got everybody all fired up. But uh, but that said, I'm still looking forward to the series, man. Yeah, and I'm hoping to either make it out to San Francisco next year, or if not, maybe you guys come back to Chicago and we'll have a good time. Um, I never, never, never want to stay too long without visiting Chicago. I love your city, and if you come our way, you better you better let me know you're coming. I will, buddy. You take care. All right, guys. All right, Crowley, great job with that one. Let's take a look at the uh, pitching probables starting this afternoon. Over at Wrigley, Justin Steele going in today, correct? Correct. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting one here. You got Justin Steele versus Brandon Webb, and Mark gave us a good breakdown on Webb. Um, you're hoping that, you know, this is always – every time Justin Steele starts, you're hoping that you can just get that win. He's at 15-3, and three, and hopefully he can get uh, another one there. Now – this is where it gets tricky. Um, and, and, and as Mark talked about, the, the, you know, they have a couple solid starters, but then after that, they, they kind of go with these opener strategies a lot. And so uh, on Tuesday, you got Kyle Hendricks. Remember, he was the one that had eight innings of no hits against San Francisco. And so, you know, you're looking at that and you're saying to yourself, okay, you know, let's see what Hendricks can do, but it's TBD for San Fran. So, they're going to go with that opening strategy. And then again, on, on Wednesday, Jordan Wicks is going to make his third start, but TBD from San Francisco. If you remember the last series uh, uh, when the Cubs played in San Fran, they had the same guy open both games. Um, and so he, this is where they are right now is they're kind of just trying to patch it together with whatever they got as far as pitching is concerned. So I don't know. I, I get nervous with these, this opener strategy and uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to kind of just say that hopefully that, the, you know, cause you don't get to, you don't get like a rhythm. You don't get to start picking up the guy. You know what I mean? Right. And you can't craft a lineup. If you know that the starters are righty or a lefty, right. You can't craft the lineup to, to do that, especially when you know that they're going to switch out maybe as soon as the, in the same inning, right. I mean, they might, they might have a, what the Cubs did with Quas and only go two thirds of an inning before they make that change. So, and the other thing with the uh, giants, you know, Webb's coming off what the 133 pitch effort, right. And they played in San Diego yesterday. So they barely gotten to Chicago and now they got to turn around and put in a day game today. So, I mean, a lot, a lot points towards the Cubs, at least in game one. Well, let me ask you if we're, we're doing our predictions here, what do you have as far as the predictions are concerned? I mean, you got two TBDs, but you also have 
you know, three really, you know, you have your all-star in steel, you have the veteran in, in Hendricks and you got the rookie in Wicks. How, wh- how do you see this? Two out, two out, two out of three. It's hard to sweep. They're a good, they're a good team. The giants are a good team. Um, but I think the Cubs take two out of three and, and maybe if the offense can be even Sunday ish, right. This past Sunday ish, they could sweep this team. Now, now, it, when we, when you're talking two out of three, and I'm saying two out of three myself, but when you're saying two out of three, what starts are you? Which is the one that you're most worried about out of these? Two? I, I think Jordan Wicks probably right, it, it, just because of the fact that uh, we don't know if he can throw this many pitches at the big league level. You know, didn't look terrible the other day, but didn't look as good as he did. So that would be where I would be a little bit nervous. But I really like today, even though it's Brandon Webb for the Giants. I'm going to watch, you know, this one, you know, as, as far as the game that kind of has me interested is Kyle Hendricks. And, a, a, you know, it, it's been warm out. It's been really hot out. I don't know what is going to be on Tuesday. But the one thing I, I look at with Kyle Hendricks is still warm the, to answer your question. Still warm on Tuesday. Then it cools I, off. I want to know what the wind's going to be. And I think that 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 to me, if the wind's blowing in, I got the Cubs sweep. If the wind's blowing out, I got the Cubs taking two or three. All right. Excellent. All right. Prediction time. We got that in the book. So Crowley, enjoy your Labor Day. Okay. That's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. All the socials, Fly the W on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us, Fly the W670 Gmail. And now, Crowley, you can watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Absolutely, Dustin. I'm going to be at the game on Tuesday night. I'm taking along a mutual friend, Dustin. I'm taking Sean Sears with me to the game. Nice. So we are going to, we're going to be there. We're going to be cheering the Cubs on and, and we're just going to be screaming, Go Cubs! It's all over.